I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My fault is for being so dead set on a specific outcome and a picture of what it's supposed to look like rather than being able to be in the moment and notice that she needed help beyond that which I was able to provide. That's my fault. That's where I went wrong. I became obsessed with her. She became my project. She became my God and she became my everything. Welcome back to The Andy Rowe Show. In the 1990s, there was no bigger platform in the world than Baywatch, with an estimated 1.1 billion weekly viewers. And in amongst the glitz and the glam of the sexiest show on earth was child actor Jeremy Jackson, who played Hobie, the son of David Hasselhoff's main character. This is the story of a young man's search for fame that led to drug addiction, violence, and then the search for redemption. I hope you enjoy the episode. The great thing about having my own podcast is I get to choose who sponsors the podcast. And Pat Coffee is without a doubt the best homemade coffee I've ever had. They're offering all my listeners a free V60 kit worth 11 quid with the code ROW when you check out. Pat Coffee not only tastes great in my mocha pot, they're also the good guys that pay the farmers what it's worth. They buy direct from the farmers, so you know you're getting the fresh, high-quality stuff. And they won Great Taste 2020 and 2021. Takes about two minutes to create a plan, and you get fresh coffee, or I get fresh coffee automatically through my letterbox every couple of weeks. Make a pact to make better coffee. If you haven't tried pack coffee yet, we'll help you get started and you get that free V60 kit I talked about with your first order and a new pack plan. Go to packcoffee.com, that's P-A-C-T coffee.com, create your flexible coffee subscription, enter the code ROW at the checkout and get specialty coffee through your letterbox. Don't wait. Go to patcoffee.com and create your coffee subscription. The code is valid when you create a packed coffee plan for new customers only. Jeremy Jackson, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Finally, man. Thanks for having me on. Sorry, I've been so elusive and, uh, you know, I'm just glad we're finally here. Bro, it's all right. It's all right. You've been, you've been busy. What are you, what are you up to at the moment? You're, you're quite a busy lad, eh? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Blessed and highly favored, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, just work life. We've got a, a great relationship with a lovely young lady and uh, a lot of men that I'm mentoring in the recovery process, you know, whether it's leading meditations or or doing workouts and traveling and, you know, being of service to other human beings, man, you know, I'll give you my last 24 hours. You know, I was up till uh, two in the morning waiting outside of an Orange County jail for what? a young man to get out. I was there with his mother. Um, and, uh, you know, he's been homeless and struggling with addiction for a lot of years. And it was a very scary time for the mom, you know, get, finding this transformation and finding the help and support to, to guide and encourage her son into a rehabilitation program and to help him feel supported and Let's wind back the clock so people can get a full perception of who Jeremy Jackson is 
and sure. and let's take let's take them on that roller coaster ride because you're starting off. Your story starts when you were ten, and you join Baywatch <laughs> as Hobie. Well, you know, I was a, a very rambunctious, hyperactive, uh, attention deficit disorder kid. You know, I was, uh, you know, wanted, needed and wanted a lot of attention. I had a lot of questions and I love to perform. I love to sing. I love to dance. Um, and I, I didn't feel like a kid. I felt like an adult. You know, I, I was diagnosed with something called GLD as a kid, which is a gifted learning disabled. So there were areas in my really? life where as far as reading or arithmetic, I was just you know, I, the, the words moved around on the page. I, I qualified to go to the accelerated program for gifted children, uh, IQ of a genius, yet math makes no sense to me. Words move around on paper. I write backwards, yet I can have a, a college level vocabulary conversation with adults. That obsession um, to create art and to show that art and to perform a lot of auditions, a lot of auditions, a lot of auditions. And it was just one of the tens of thousands of auditions I had gone to was for this TV show on the beach, man. And and all I knew was Knight Rider, my 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 idol, you know, was on the show. I had never seen the show. Uh, I had heard about the show. It was more of an adult show. You know, I was like, mm. I was pretty young, but Knight Rider, that was my jam. And I wanted to be that kid so bad. And I go to that audition. I audition a bunch of times and there's my Knight Rider, my hero. And, and uh, we hit it off, man. I was raised by a single parent. My character had a single parent on the show. I was a beach kid. My character was a beach kid. It was kind of a slam dunk. David Hasselhoff must've been amazing to work with. Oh yeah, he's he's one of a kind. I let me tell you, you'll never meet anybody like him. He's he's a superstar for a reason, you know. He really does have that X factor. We um we mentioned how young you were on the show, and you're surrounded by the hottest girls on the planet. Like literally the hottest girls on the planet on TV. They are the Instagram of their time. How did you deal with that? At first it was great. You know, I'm young. They're my big sisters. I'm more interested in surfing and, you know, getting candy, free candy at the, at the food cart. But of course, yeah, puberty, you're talking about gripping, overwhelming uh, hormone monster raging. When am I going to get mine? How do I grow up faster? You know, I must become a lifeguard and I must be able to date these girls. And, uh, you know, the producers were actually really cool, man. I would, if I would be like, man, I really like this girl. Can we bring her on the show? And they'd cast and they'd meet her and they'd put her on the show for me so I could have my own little love interest, you know, in, in ways we were very close and had a lot of tough family style dynamic on on the show um i remember michelle williams man i had a huge crush on her it's keith ledger's baby's mom of course with marilyn monroe and the, the Marilyn movie and brokeback mountain and uh we had a big big love interest and puppy puppy love infatuation for many years and they brought her back on the show a couple times for me and it was really cool really did yeah that's, that's awesome so it brought people in just to kind of just to settle the pup down. Well, I was probably pretty, uh, pretty vocal about it. You know, it's like I'm surrounded by these twenty-year-olds. Yeah, I'm thirteen. I'm dying over here. Oh like, when's it my turn? Jeez. Right. The pain you would have been going through, and and uh, and it was through. a lot of teasing. The older girls knew it. You know, they really? they did tease me a lot. They'd flash me a little bit, or you know, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I saw her boobs. Did you get any advice? 
yeah, you know, Kelly Slater was great with that. David, you know, David was busy uh, being the being being the king of the beach, you know. But uh, I'm I'm very uh, perceptive, you know. I, I watched how everybody moved and operated. I picked up a lot of tricks and <laughs> a lot of tricks and pickup lines and all that stuff from an early age. What was what was Pamela Anderson like to work with? Man, it really, I, I just I feel like big sister, man, sweetheart pure drop dead gorgeous you know lightning in a bottle you know one of a kind in her heyday nobody uh really touches her you think think of the most beautiful women of all time the most unique and and uh you know the je ne sais quoi women you know you're talking marilyn monroe you're talking maybe elizabeth taylor in her heyday you're talking pamela anderson you know um she went through a lot of <laughs> Yeah, shit off the screen as well, didn't she? Gosh, impossible not to when you're the mo- one of the most coveted women in the world, and you're already you know making your money, and your your fame is situated off your beauty and off your sex appeal. You know, everybody and their mom, from from Tommy Lee to you know Jason Simmons to David Charvet to Kelly Slater, she dated everybody for a period of time. Everybody wanted to be the guy who was seen or who who could woo Pamela Anderson, and she was general genuinely you know just a canadian girl not uh not jaded not stuck up just a, a real sweetheart you know real kind gentle spirit and um you know i know what the i know what the world i would say the entertainment industry but but it's less it's more than that you know i, I know what the world can do to you if if you're seen as as just a product or as an uh, as an item to mm. possess and you know, that's really tough to navigate man and 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 you know she went through her own little uh process of of being beat up you know yeah do you remember anything do you remember saying anything that you were like oh geez i just want to help you out uh, well, there was i remember a big a big ordeal one day when tommy lee came and there was you know, we had these trailers on the beach. They're all parked there. And, you know, you, there's a lot of screaming and crying and some stuff breaking or getting thrown around the trailers, shaking and moving, you know, he's screeching off in his Ferrari and behind closed doors. You never know what, what would happen, but you know, we, we know with Tommy Lee's a rock star and a party guy. So mm-hmm. man, who knows? He could have been wasted. It yeah. could have been drugs involved. We don't really know, but it was, there, there was plenty of tension there. At what point did the drugs and stuff and the fame start to kind of start going to your head? Well, you know, I, I think the fame or the quest for fame was kind of the first drug. You know, I, I didn't know about drugs. I didn't know about alcohol. And I didn't know about fame. I didn't know fame was a business. You know, what I saw from my you know, ignorant, innocent perspective was, you know, people like Elvis Presley, people like Knight Rider, people like Michael Jackson, you know, they had a power. They possessed this certain power, a power to be adored, a power to, you know, uh, bring grown women to their knees, you know, and in my you know, my lack of uh, early on lack of sense of belonging, early on lack of, of feeling a part of, of this world. Um, I, I thought that that power and that influence might be the answer to feeling whole. So without 
you know, my, my goal wasn't to make millions of dollars. My goal wasn't to be a top 10 recording artist. My goal wasn't to be specifically to be on the number one show or a great actor, but my goal was to do whatever I had to do, practice as hard as I had to practice, sing as much as I needed to sing, dance as good as I needed to dance to be noticed so that I could be ready for that position to be adored, to give of my, my heart in, in a creative and expressive way that would set me apart um, and, and allow me to feel adored and feel uh, like I belonged or like I was good enough. Um, and it was, it was really, yeah, it was really, a, 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 like I said, ignorant and innocent desire um, w- without, you know, obviously the knowledge of, of why I wanted that. I just wanted it. And, and I, I believed in it and I, I dreamed about it and I saw it in my mind's eye and, and I practiced it. It was, it was, you know, my obsession and, and it happened. So then you have it. Here's the caveat in life. Here's the thing. Then you have it. Here it is. Not good enough. Wait a minute. I'm, I don't feel there, you know, as a matter of fact, now that I'm where I thought I should be, that would allow me to feel a part of life. All I can focus on is who's getting a little more attention or who's trying, who, who is these in sync? Who are these guys? Who are these young adults singing and thinking that their music is going to be listened to too? I'm the young kid singer uh, and I don't appreciate that. And as a matter of fact, they got the cover of the magazine this week and I got the small picture and I'm doing something wrong. I'm, I must not be doing good enough. What can I do? Then the quest for new power. What, okay. What is it? And and gosh, those guys smoking cigarettes over there, they're talking, they're laughing, they're set apart. Maybe, maybe something that's going on over there is what I need to know about, you know, so stealing some cigarettes out of ashtrays and say, what is, does this, does this make me feel part of, does this make me, have I transcended this human pain and, and this lack of this sense of lack and, and a desire to fit in? No, no, no. But it seems to be working for them, but it's not strong enough for me. Maybe it's stronger, you know, and adults drinking, laughing, having the party, they're dancing. They seem a little free. Okay. Mental note something over there, something over there must be an answer. So you try the drinking and then you try the drugs and you were on the cocaine by like 16, right? This is the, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm just trying to get like, where, like how old are you at this point? Like it's you, you yeah, jump, probably 12, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. 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 I, I was smoking cigarettes probably by 10, you know, sneaking them. And you know, then the, the pot life, yeah, the pot life. Okay. So I skateboard, I surf, I play video games. I have friends, we do kickbacks and you smoke the pot. And, and uh, this is that, yeah, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. And when I was recording music and traveling overseas, you know, at 12 years old, I released my first single and that was great. It was so fun. Um, I got those Michael Jackson moments I had always dreamed about. And here I was, and there, there they are feigning. There they are with my name written on their breasts. You know, I did it. Wow. The unachievable. I have achieved it. I'm at the top of the mountain. And uh, 
I caught the nightclub buzz, you know, dancing in nightclubs, man, disco fever, I guess you could say. So when I came back home, you know, I'm going to nightclubs and I'm 16 with a fake ID and my friends have to go home. My friends have school. My friends' parents are calling them. So I got to go to the after party because I don't want to go home yet. I'm not ready for the party to be over. There's more. I need to experience more. From the after party, it was the after, after party. And then the after, after, after party. And then who are you hanging out with at 16 when you're with a bunch of people that are at the after after party drug addicts drug addicts that are still awake so what do you do when you're hanging out with them you do what they do and you get what they get which is addiction which is uh you know a lot of confusion and a lot of uh a pain legal trouble uh you, you know lose weight uh fear now of being found out and it starts to get real ugly real quick you were partying with Dennis Rodman at one point, weren't you? Dennis Rodman, Hugh Hefner. Tell me know, about Paris those Hilton, guys. You name it. Tell man. me about how fun those guys. Like, you must have some stories on those boys. Oh gosh, yeah, man. Go of on. course, you know. It's funny because you know when you're in that state of ego and pride, you know, or you're in that state of, you know, you don't notice because, you know, matter of fact, they're crashing my part. You know, my friends are throwing this party there. Hugh Hefner, you're lucky to be at my friend's mansion party. And, you know, if your girls want some cocaine or if you need a Viagra, it's coming from me. Like, yeah, I'm the king of the jungle. I might I might only be six, 17 years old, but I'm the king of the jungle. And I know everybody here. You feel like you belong, you know, and when you feel like this is just another day in the life of it's incredible how much stuff goes by the wayside. I mean, I wish I could go back with this perspective, this awareness that I have and rewatch that (laughs) shit and be like, whoa, dude, you know, Paris Hilton's trying to make out with me and her sister's pulling her off of me and, you know, all kinds of, all you name it, it's happened, you know? You had a run-in with Paris Hilton, didn't you? What happened there? That was years later, man. That was the weirdest deal. Years later, um, I was married and uh, I I had been out of the entertainment industry for a long time. And Uh, we got invited over to her house after a dinner at Nobu. And, you know, we went over there and it was just a very strange vibe. They were acting very weird uh, as if I was intruding on their party when, when my best friend invited us because they invited him as they, that someone was really, really rude to me. I told them, I told them to look at, look at me. I said, do me a favor, man, look me in the face and say that again. Like, and tell me you're serious about what you just said, because I'm going to beat your ass. If you're serious, let me know right now. Otherwise we're cool. You know what I mean? Like you might've made a mistake and said something to the wrong person, which no problem. You know, bygones be bygones. Let's all just enjoy our time. But if you're serious, I'm going to beat your ass right now. And he was like, nah, man, I was just kidding. I was like, all right, cool. You know, uh, gave him a, a, an easy out. Right. And yeah, I'm a yeah. jujitsu champion. You know, I'm a bodybuilder at that time. And uh, some girl overheard it. One of Paris Hilton's friends and just started yelling at me and got all in my face. And I was like, yeah, you know, 
I'm out of here. I, my wife was at the party with me. I couldn't find her. They were trying to kick me out of the house. They were shoving me. There was multiple people surrounding me. Somebody came running to the side to hit me. I punched him, knocked him out. Turns out it was Paris Hilton's little brother. Paris Hilton starts screaming. What are you doing? Get the fuck out of here. Who are you? Oh my God. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm standing my ground. I'm not allowing you to kick me out of your house because I don't know where my wife is. I'm not walking out that door and having you lock it with my wife still in here. I don't know if she's in the restroom. I don't know if she went outside on the balcony. You know, I'm happy to leave as soon as I collect my wife. And, you know, turns out my wife had heard me tell that guy I was going to kick his ass if he was serious. And she walked out of the house already. And she was outside the house and I didn't know it. So this guy is, 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 is one of Paris Hilton's brother's friend. Is He was looking very froggy, like he was about to pounce, you know? And I'm not here to hurt anybody. I'm just not going to let anybody hurt me. Like, I'm, I, I'm not an idiot. So I grabbed the guy. I put him in a chokehold. I'm telling everybody to back away from me. And I get hit in the head with a, with a magnum bottle of Belvedere. This girl hits me in the head. She cracks my eyebrow open. And then, like, you know, eight people are, it's like a, like a football game you know they're all like linebackers trying to push me out of this house i eventually went out of the house and i see my girlfriend already standing outside i'm just like oh my god what a what a ridiculous misunderstanding what a stupid and unfortunate i lost a 1500 watch in that house somehow you know i had to call the cops it was like this big big really stupid ordeal and i i have to think it was because everybody was pretty drunk or fucked up in that house I, i don't really know David Hasselhoff sat you down and asked you if you're doing drugs at one point, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that was the day that I left the show, the day that I quit. And it, it was it was actually when day I couldn't, I was having a really hard time remembering my lines. I was holding up the whole production. I had been awake for five days straight. I had not slept in five days. I felt horrible. I was full of fear. I was full of anxiety. I was basically, you know, delusional. And, and paranoid. And I was just trying my hardest to get through the day. And David pulled me aside and he sat me down like a, like a loving friend or a, a TV dad would. And he looked me in the eyes and said, what's going on with you, man? Talk to me. He's like, are you smoking weed or something? You know, I remember that look like, come on, you can tell me about the weed. And I remember having this thought of, man, like if it was just weed, I'd be fine. I can smoke weed and act normal. I can be so stoned and basically be sober. Dude, if I told you what chemicals I was putting in my body, if I told you I'd been up for five days and that I can barely even articulate the the linguistic abilities of my own mouth are shot. I can't even pronunciate. I'm basically mentally disabled and in a drug-induced psychosis. And I can't even tell you the truth because you guys will probably call an ambulance. Like if you checked my vital signs, if you saw how dehydrated I was, if you felt my heart rate right now, we'd have to shut down the production. You know, when you're that self-absorbed and and, and self-centered and full of fear uh, and shame and guilt, you can't tell the truth, man. You feel so alone, so isolated, so detached from reality that rather than get honest and rather than admit defeat and ask for help, I got defensive and said, you know what? Fuck this show, man. Yeah, you know, fuck all you guys too. I'm sick and tired of you guys, man. I don't need this anymore. I'm 18. I'm an adult. This show sucks. 
quality of the writing's gone down and uh, it's just all about tits and ass now anyway what happened to the good storylines and our ratings are going down anyway and you need me more than I need you I'm one of the number one characters on this show enjoy trying to pull off this thing without me I'm out of here screw you you know I got million dollar movie deals I'm being offered I don't need this freaking show and I and I walked away dude walked away Oh shit! Things started yeah. to really spiral for you at that point, and you started—you yeah. you did actually have these big movie opportunities, but you—you you were Indeed. turning them down. Yeah, what? turning them down because, um, well, because number one, I didn't realize they would stop. There was—it was so frequent, it was so often. The the numbers were only going up. You know, the last one I turned down for two hundred. Now I'm getting a million dollar offer. Fuck, let's keep turning them down and see what we get. But really, I was I was madly in love with a drug addicted woman. I was drug addicted. I was overcome with infatuation, lust, and and and, and drug addiction, man. And I was what I thought having such a good time in this high intensity sex fueled you know, drug world in the San Fernando Valley and, 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 you know, Studio City, Los Angeles, man, nightclubs and, 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 and drugs and, you know, late nights. And I thought that was having the best time of my life, man. I was totally in a fog. Weren't you homeless at one point? Did, was, were you homeless? Absolutely, man. No, absolutely. You know, after after about 18, when I quit the show, by, by then I had already exhausted a lot of finances. I mean, I started going in and out of rehabs at 14. So rehabs between $50,000 rehab every year to $100,000 lawyer here and there to, you know, paying bills and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. A couple deals go sour, a couple deals go south some bad investments, you know, you're, you're throwing money around people are, Hey, Jeremy, can I borrow 40 grand? You know, I got this deal and you'll make 20 and sure. No problem. I'm all fucked up. Yeah. And you know, a few of those deals happen and how did I get here? How did I get broke? You know? And, um, then what do you do, man? You can't clean up your act. You can't get off the stuff. You can't just start working again. I tried to go to rehab and clean up my act and get some work again, but but the drugs took over. The drugs had had me, and uh, you know, so I just started trying to make money with drugs, trying to manufacture drugs, trying to sell drugs, trying to hang out with other drug dealers who had money and who had drugs. And, and I was the fun party favor to keep around the, the famous kid that's all fucked up. And, you know, people liked having me around because it was a cool thing to talk about and ask me questions about. And really, I just wanted to party and they wanted to show me off to their friends or get high with somebody that was anything other than a, just a prostitute or a criminal, you know, and these are these drug dealers, prostitutes, and criminals. That's the, those, that was my circle. And, um, you know, that, that life will take you for everything you got and manufacturing drugs, getting held at gunpoint, being robbed, being kidnapped, um, having gang members rush into the house you're at, pistol whip you, hog tie you, try to get you in their car, uh, having, you know, hits out on you, being ordered to testify in the court against gang members, knowing that if you do, they will kill you. Be, you know, a, a lot of crazy stuff. Jesus. How do you, yeah. did, you, got, you stabbed some guy, didn't you? Yeah, I've had been involved in a couple stabbings, actually. I, I was being robbed at gunpoint and uh, my car was being stolen and my drugs were being stolen and I had a pocket knife on me. And after about an hour of being falsely imprisoned, an hour or two of being falsely Im imprisoned, humiliated, threatened, 
um, with this gun in my face, there, there was an opportune moment for me to, to self defend myself. Um, and I ended up stabbing the guy multiple times. He was a big gangster with the clown tattoos all over his face and who was pretty well known in, in the gang member drug dealer community. He was a pimp. He was all that. He still got away with my car, gushing blood. He lost a testicle. You know, he had a hundred and something stitches and I got thrown in jail. That's another five grand to bail out of jail. It's another court appointment. It's another warrant, all that kind of stuff. It was, there was nothing nice about any of this stuff. Nothing in. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Enjoyable. I, I, I got no break. Let's put it that way. How did you get clean from there? You know, being on drugs, being robbed, kidnapped, being hunted, being, you know, uh, being sick and miserable is, is hell. But the problem is, man, for a real drug addict, a real alcoholic like me, you can be just as miserable sober. You can be just as crippled sober because the real issue centers in the mind. It's really... It's about my perceptions, man. And to become this victim to life, this, this piece of meat that I'm convinced has been drug around, taken advantage of, lied to, over-promised, under-delivered to, you know, manipulated, my image being sold, my music career never paid me a dime and it made all this money and people got rich off me and my childhood was stolen and, you know, all this stuff, I'm, I'm convinced that, that my case, that, that I am different than everybody else, that something is inherently wrong with me and I am just everybody's doormat and punching back. And that's without drugs, man. And when, I, when you live in a place like that, when you feel that, when that's how you see yourself, when that's what you're convinced of, sure, you can try really hard to put it all back together. You can try to get in great shape and, and get a better car and get a better house. But that's just to soothe and cover how you still truly feel on the inside. That's just to trick the outside world to thinking that you've made it. But inside, you're still broken and crippled, man. And that's no way to live. So what happens is you get in enough trouble. I got in enough hopelessness. I was scared enough to continue to live the way I was living because that's what I came to believe would be all I'm ever capable of is knocking the house of cards down yet again. I didn't want to build it up and lose it again. 
It's one thing to lose it. It's another thing to build it back and lose it again. It's another thing to build it up and lose it again and again until you don't think you have what it takes to ever succeed. Then what's the point, right? So when you reach that place, that beautiful place, we call it the gift of desperation. It's a gift. It feels like your weakest. It feels like a bottom. But it's, it's really the actual starting place where all kinds of amazing things can happen. Because for, the, for maybe for the first time, you listen and you follow through and you take that advice and you can lean into other people who, who used to feel the same, who used to believe that they were terminally unique and doomed or cursed. And they seem to have a life. Maybe they have kids now. Maybe they have a healthy job. Or maybe they just have the peace of mind no longer wanting to drink or get loaded. So you surround yourself with these people and you listen to what they do and you take their advice. And there's a lot of personal reflection and journaling and and prayer and meditation and attendance at groups of like-minded individuals. There's a lot of trust and there's a lot of letting go that that has to happen. You know, when that stuff is taken in a a specific series, when when you're able to follow that breadcrumb trail uh, left by those mentors and, and those other people who have overcome this type of lifestyle, you start to experience new things. You start to feel new ways. You start to perceive the world in different ways. You start to, for the first time, realize, wait a minute, those were my choices. Perhaps was Baywatch not a perfect situation? Were there people who were selfish and out for themselves? Sure. Was I being paid enough? Maybe, maybe not. But did that have to make me hate, abuse myself, Mm. quit the show, you know, uh, decide I was too good for it, decide I wasn't good enough for whatever it was. No, it didn't. I I had opportunity. Well, I did. Back then, I didn't have the ability to see that. But today I can see that I can heal my past. I can see deeper truths about the past and my choices that I've made along the way that have ended me up here. And I can utilize that new transformation, that those new realizations, those new perspectives, seeing it from a different point of view with the guidance of others and with my own personal work to rise above some of these previous misconceptions. And I can apply those to my day to day. I can stop digging the hole deeper, maybe even just to sustain for a while. But I'll settle for sustaining. I'll settle for even, you know, sure. Everybody likes to have a nice peak. Everybody likes to level up. Everybody likes to improve, but sometimes just being okay today is enough. Mm. One of the things that kept popping up where I was researching, there was like images of your ex-wife on, on the street. Have you seen those? Yes. They They must be tough to see. It's crazy, man. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those. It's one of those things, man. I that one messed me up, huge, huge. That was what I thought was the love of my life. I had never proposed to anybody in my life. I had never been married before, and I spent a, a couple a, a couple years with that woman, and I was convinced that we were meant to be together forever. And I was willing to bend over backwards. I was w- willing to move heaven and earth. I was willing to work my butt off morning, noon, and night to build a family and a with her and what I thought we had. Sorry about um, the interruption. And, uh, Coming up next week, former England rugby player and 2003 World Cup winner Steve Thompson joins us. And we talk about his battle with early onset dementia and 
we discuss who's to blame. At what point is the player accountable, though, for their own health? I didn't go to medical school. I didn't do that. What I'd done is I learned to play rugby. I was good at that. I trained as hard as I could. I'd done my job well. The authorities are there to go and find out what they do. That's why people do jobs. That's why I'm a strong brother. That's why I can dig a hole well. Some of these doctors can't dig a hole. I didn't turn around in the World Cup final and say to the doc- like the specialist, oh, by the way, I don't want to do this line out. Can you come down and throw the ball for me? People are put there and people take big wages and they'll go and do their fancy stuff and they'll go and do, they'll jet around the world. They'll do all this. Look at us. We're great. Look at all this finance all packages we're making. We're making all this, well, rugby, we're making all this a lot of money, but that it's a duty of care to the people that are involved in the sport. That's coming up next week. Now back to Jeremy Jackson. Because the headline's there as well. It's always Jeremy Jackson's left his wife on the street. And that she's uh, she's homeless because I beat her and, you know, it's all my fault. And, dude, if the whole world thinks that I got her addicted to drugs and beat her and she's toothless and homeless pushing a shopping cart because of my actions. If they all think that it has to be okay. The only reason I'm able to be okay with that is because I know it's not the truth, you know, because I was there and because I know my heart and what I, what I sacrificed and how hard I worked and where my mind was and where my heart was and where my intentions were. And, and like I said, my family that was there the whole time that saw me crying, scared that the relationship was going south, worried about her uh, sanity, you know, um, the friends that, that were there with me all through the way, they know the truth and I know the truth and God knows the truth. The truth is I'm going to lay it out right here. I don't think I've ever even done it like this. I'm going to tell you, like, maybe I've never said it before. The truth was I was eight years clean and sober. Now, in my mind at eight years clean and sober, I'm a hope to die drug addict who has you know, thrown his life away, who has been at the bottom, who has been beaten, robbed, treated like trash, who's settled for so much less in my life, you know, and now things are going to change. You know, now I'm back on the horse. I got a head on my shoulders. And here's this beautiful woman when I'm eight years sober, who's a stripper and a porn star that I take a liking to what I believe is her spirit, her true essence. You know, at the time she had a lot of debt, She drove a piece of shit car and she was an alcoholic. She had really bad acne scars that she was wildly ashamed of. But I felt at that time that I saw her as more. I believe at that time that I saw that she was better than what she believed she could be and that she deserved to be loved fully and purely. And I took it upon myself to fix her, to be the difference in her life. I saw similarities there and commonalities in our fear and our anxiety and our self-hatred. And I felt that I had transcended that self-hatred and that I was going to succeed in life. And I chose her to be the woman to do it with me. And I was going to fix those acne scars and I was going to pay off her debt. And I was going to allow her the opportunity by paying for her to go through school, to get a degree, to to be an esthetician. I was going to build her a spa in our house and she could work from home and she didn't have to strip anymore. And we would bury her, her, her porn career on the internet with search engine op- optimization. I had a whole plan, man. I was going to change this woman's life and we were going to live happily ever after. And that was my selfish 
selflessness. That was me putting the ability of God onto myself, taking the bit in my mouth and saying, I can do it. I can help you be all you were meant to be. It was support is great, dude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like encouragement, motivation, you know, inspiration, living by example is one thing, but thinking that you can drag another broken person with you when you're coming from a broken place, that's insanity, dude. And what ended up happening is, is a couple of years into the relationship, somehow, some way, after turning her into a bikini competitor extraordinaire with nine competitive championships for being in the best shape, for being the most beautiful, after removing those acne scars and getting her that career and paying off those debts and getting her in a brand new Beamer and making her my wife, she started slipping from mental health. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's paranoid delusions, schizophrenia. I don't know if it's a personality disorder or bipolar. I don't know. And none of us really know until we get her help or she gets her own help and she can get diagnosed. All I know is that when she was having panic attacks and coming home from work, when she was questioning me about things she thought she heard me say, when she was showing up to the gym dead certain that I was cheating on her with a woman when I was working out with a male client, I thought... I, I lied to myself. Remember, we said, I can't see the truth when I'm in it. Mm. When I'm in the mess, when I'm, when I'm in my own will, I can't see the truth of the situation. And the way I live now is, is to constantly be able to unveil the truth aside from my ego, aside from my pride, without my own personal preferences, without my own personal desires to just be a worker amongst workers trusting the process and being willing to help others without the predetermined outcome of what it's supposed to look like. I had a predetermined outcome. We were going to be the king and queen. I couldn't see that she was actually losing her mind. I made excuses for her and I made rationalizations for her. Oh, this poor girl, she's been nothing but a hooker, nothing but a prostitute and a stripper and a porn star. She doesn't know what love looks like. She doesn't trust men because she's been hurt so much. She doesn't know I'm going to be different. She doesn't believe in herself. I have to believe in her for her. I have to continue to lift her up when she's lifted down. So because I was so driven by my desire to pull her out of the mess, I wasn't able to see that she was actually having paranoid delusions, that she was actually hearing voices, that she was actually having visual paranoia. And I wrote them off as just a a girl who needed to be encouraged. It'll be better tomorrow. And when she put tape over her phone and drug me into a fight so that I would argue with her, she put tape over her camera so that she could get me yelling at her on an audio recording so that she could start screaming, stop it, you're hurting me, ouch her, help me, so that I would leave the house so that she could report me for attempted murder while taking my name off the car that I had bought her, while changing my address with the IRS so that she could receive my tax returns and get a loan in my name and put fake checks through my bank account so that she could ruin me without me out of the picture. Because in her mind, her paranoid delusions was that she was losing me or that I was with another woman so that she could destroy me. Even though all I wanted to do was help her, I was selfish and I was blind. And I couldn't really help her in the way she needed. That's my fault. My fault was for being so dead set on a specific outcome and a picture of what it's supposed to look like, rather than being able to be in the moment and notice that she needed help beyond that, which I was able to provide. That's my fault. That's where I went wrong. I became obsessed with her. She became my project. 
She became my God and she became my everything. And that was selfish. So as she's annihilating me, I slip into a depression. I start drinking again. I'm wasted. I can't deal with the pain because I had this illusion. I was just as crazy as her. I had this illusion, this fantasy built up in my life that we were going to go off into the sunset and we were going to be least likely to succeed, catapulted off into, you know, happily ever after. And I couldn't stomach the fact that I lost that because I'm not God and I can't make the impossible possible and I need help. Then I went off to Celebrity Big Brother to make 100 50 grand and i thought every i thought my life was going to turn around man i thought here it is but how do you look back on that moment now like i don't dude you know i had been single for a year i had processed a lot of the stuff and when they called me and said the only reason i was getting on the show was because i was single you know now that you're finally single you can create some flirtation and love interest this is going to be great Uh, We want you to flirt with the women. You're a sex symbol. You're the perfect age. This is going to be great, you know? So I'm like, okay, okay. All right, flirt. Yeah, be sexy. Be cool. Okay, I got it. Everybody loves drama on reality shows. Everyone's kissing. Everyone's drinking. Everyone's partying. Everyone's getting in drama. Okay, I'll create some drama. Yeah, I'm going to take this show by storm, man. This is my comeback. This is my moment to shine and, 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 and be me. Everything I've experienced to this moment has prepared me for this new launching pad, man. And I got to tell you, bro, that was one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life, dude. Again, I built it up. I built it up to be this thing that, that was going to go exactly the way I planned it. You know, I was on medication from a doctor You know, I didn't want to do the meth. So they prescribed me Adderall because I got the ADHD and I'm not abusing it. I'm not overdoing it, but you know, the Xanax or the Valium here and there helps me get a good night's sleep and I'm smoking a little bit of weed, but you know, this is Hollywood, man. I'm an entertainer. I'm, you know, and uh, you know, we have a few drinks and uh oh miss i'm mr kind and considerate so by by all means take your drinks first whatever one you want i'll let me have one uh what's the last one? Oh, it's a rum and coke okay i'll have a rum and coke and some time goes by they bring out some more drinks they don't want to get you drunk so they don't give you unlimited drinks this little secret door comes out there's a red wine and a gin and tonic and a, a vodka soda and a, and a rum and coke so the next drink is a, is a red wine that's all that's left okay i'll take it 40 minutes later more drinks come out and the drinks come out i get the last one and it's a it's a gin and tonic. So I've had like a rum and coke, a red wine and a gin and tonic. And I've ate a little bit of weed edible. Right. And I'm like, that was a bad mix. You know, I maybe, maybe shouldn't mix the gin and the rum and the red wine. I'm, I'm not drunk, but I'm definitely going to puke. And so I go into the bathroom and there's no cameras in the bathroom. And the, the rules of the house are very clear. No two people are allowed to be in the bathroom together ever. Okay. So I go in the bathroom. I, 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 I tiptoe and I get myself a big water. I'm going to puke. I'm going to drink the water. I'm probably going to puke again. And I'm going to drink some more water and then I'm going to be fine. It's just a nauseous stomach. And while I'm in the bathroom, everyone's knocked. Jeremy, are you okay? You know, Jezza, they love to call me Jezza out in the UK, you know, and I'm, I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm fine. It's not my first rodeo. 
I know how to handle this. No, no, love, let us in. No, 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 please. I don't want anybody to see me sweating, bent over the toilet. You know, let me handle this. And they bust in. They burst their way in there and they're tending to me and they're wiping my face and, oh, making a big deal out of it. And, you know, this girl stays behind. I I can't even remember her name. She had this bikini line. She had this bathing suit line. Before she did the show, she decided to launch a bathing suit line or to utilize the show as a marketing tool for her new bathing suit line. And every 10 minutes I turn around, she's got a different bathing suit on. And I'm like, oh my gosh, shameless promotion. Like, you know, it was a, it was a running joke between the two of us. What bathing suit are you going to wear 20 minutes from now? Jeremy, do you want to go in the jacuzzi together? Oh God, I wonder if you want to show off another bathing suit. We're building somewhat of an alliance here, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe she's kind of letting me know it's you and I that should create the sexual tension. We're about the same age. You know, she's a little younger than me. She's a topless model, for God's sake. That's what I date, strippers and topless models. That's my MO, right? So she's in the bathroom with me all by herself and she's real all up in my face. Oh, love, oh, love, you okay? Okay, oh, yes, would you like, do you need something? Do you need anything? Okay, cool. And she's wearing a robe and she's on all fours with her cleavage in my face and I'm against the wall like, yeah, no, really, I'm fine, I'm fine, okay. And oh God, what bathing suit do you have on this time? And I, I take this robe, this Terry robe that's crossed and I go like this to see of what I think is going to be a pattern of a new bathing suit. And she does not have a top on her. It's the top of her bosom. I see no nipple. I see the top of her chest. And I think nothing of it. I'm a little bit beat up and, and distracted with my own nausea and sweating and being embarrassed about being sick. I didn't realize that I had done anything wrong in that moment. I thought this was our inside joke. I thought we had a running thing here about your bathing suit joke. I was just trying to bring it back to let's not worry about Jeremy and how he feels. I come out of the bathroom. I guess she was a little startled or Perez Hilton noticed something and Perez starts screaming how he knew it that I beat my wife and that he heard this audio and I'm a terrible person and I'm a raging psychopath. And a viewer at home calls the police and lies and says, I just witnessed a sexual assault when indeed there's no cameras in the bathroom. Nobody saw what happened but me and her. And the police have to come. They have to come. Otherwise, they're ignoring a report. So the police come and I'm honest. I'm not aware. I don't think there's anything to protect or hide. I tugged on her robe to expose the bathing suit that wasn't there. And, you know, my mistake, apologies, my goodness, wasn't my intention. The producers come out to me and they say, Jeremy, we're mortified. I, I just... We have to kick you off the show, but don't worry about it, Jeremy. You're still getting paid. And I promise this will be more publicity for you than you ever would have got. Even if you won the show, the ratings are through the roof. Did they actually say that to you? Yes. Yes. You're going to go on this show. You're going to go on that show. You'll be on the news tomorrow. You, we're going to put you in the nightclubs. You're going to make a hundred thousand dollars DJing. This is going to play out great for you. We're so sorry. We love you. Everybody here loves you. And we can't believe we have to do this, but legally we're bound to do this. So they drive me to my hotel. I'm of course mortified. I'm demoralized. 
embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I can't believe it. You know, are you sorry for like what you did? I would, dude, I have been accosted, taken advantage of, used, Mm. you know, you know, my body has been, you know, uh, capitalized on, you know, I would never want to do that to anybody else. You know, it would never, I would never be like, let me make you feel uncomfortable for my personal pleasure, like ever. You know what I mean? I, I really do attempt to put other people's comfort above my own you know genuine connection there with the girl i thought it was a little yeah tease her and i had a friendship and i thought it was a friendly uh running joke because i i had said it so many times i was really trying to just get back in tune with what before i was embarrassed of puking you know i was trying to just like slough it off and be like okay let's be silly again you know what i mean and of course, of course, I'm sorry if, if in fact it really did truly cause something, if that wasn't a tactic to create some personal uh, gain, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting, I, I don't know why that happened. And if it was in fact uh, made her feel uncomfortable or taken advantage of or disrespected, never, you know, of course not truly. Anyway, the next day, every newspaper cover my ex-wife claiming that I beat her. And the producers call me and they say, Jeremy, we had this whole plan. We wanted to do a bunch of stuff with you because I was kind. I was generous. I was fun. People liked me. I was getting along great. I was silly. I was so happy to be there. I was so happy to be getting financially back on the horse. I was overjoyed with the opportunity to take part in this production. I truly was. And, um, and that was taken away from me. Um, And then when the wife started peddling the counterfeit audio tape of her screaming and saying that, I stop it, you're hurting me. When I was 20 feet away from her, this was a whole manufactured thing. And it was more than anybody wanted to deal with or fight with for on my behalf. I was guided and directed by legal teams from Viacom to accept what was called a caution all they told me this is called a caution it's it's more of like a warning it's like a little warning just go to this courtroom we're gonna drive you and say yes and i'm like okay i don't know what that is they they got a flight for me later that day they're rushing me off and saying yeah just take it and and it's nothing it's nothing i had no idea that i was pleading guilty to a sexual offense oh you know and because i pled guilty to that sexual offense they didn't have to pay me a dime because in the contract I signed, the only way you will not get paid is if you assault anybody in any way. Really? So were the lawyers that took you to the, were they from the TV show, from the production? Yes. And the and- manager that I had at the time is in cahoots with them. They hire all his clients and he wasn't willing to battle Viacom for me. He wanted to keep the relationship with them. They blew smoke up my ass. They took advantage of my vulnerability and my lack of information and my ignorance and my my shock. And I was like, what, what happened? How did that even happen? How am I the bad guy? Like, I, I felt like everybody was barging in on me and wouldn't leave me alone. Like, I, I, I'm in a delicate state right now. I'm puking. I, I don't feel well. I'm a little bit tipsy. Like, leave me alone. Let me get okay. And I was accosted by multiple people. And when I did something that they didn't like in my state, I begged them to leave me alone in. I was accused of sexual assault. And then I was 
I was manipulated into saying okay to a foreign law I didn't understand. And it was played down as this little tiny thing that's more of a warning that cost me probably $300,000. And I came home and uh, I was the most depressed I'd ever been. That was the most, I just felt beat down. I didn't, I, I was, I felt very hopeless. I, I didn't feel like life would probably ever work out for me again. I couldn't find a way to accept what had just happened. Man. It was ugly. To be fair, it has worked out for you. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. You're in a good you know, place like now. I, like, man, you're, yeah. you're happy now. You're, you're doing good things in the community, doing good things for people and you've got good people around you, right? Yeah. Beyond, beyond measure. And, you know, like I said earlier, all that brokenness, all that despair, all that guilt, all that shame, all that failure are the most valuable possessions I have. And you've just showed like, no matter how bad things get, there's always, there's always a way to turn things around. And uh, thank you again for being so kind. No matter, no matter how good it gets, it can always be better. Even when it's great, don't settle for good enough, man. There's, there's new realizations, new experiences and new levels. Keep the expectations alive. Keep the question mark alive. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks again for coming. Blessings, brother. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give this a share on social media and don't forget to tag us in and help us grow the show.